Cuphead and all hope, listeners. You're listening to Radio Grognard, the OSR podcast about stuff, with your host, Glenn Hallstrom. Hiya, folks. Old Man Grognard here on a Tuesday morning, and I hope you're having a good day. And first up, we have a voicemail from Darren, a.k.a. Spike Pitt's brother, Colin's brother. So take it away, Darren. Hi, Glenn. It's Darren and Green here, uh, a.k.a. Spike Pitt's brother. Um, just giving a quick call on your podcast about the traps. Um, just wondering from a DM point of view, how do you manage to give the players an opportunity to know there's traps about without making it obvious, like uh, where there's a big rug in the middle of the the room or uh, there's a, a trap trap door and one wall going back to your sort of cannonball trap um i just want to give them the opportunity to to spot it without slowing the game down to the point that every door they check for traps every chest they're looking around and checking for traps just wondered how you deal with the whole um trap sort of situation not making them obvious but uh still managing to include them and make them a good feature thanks bye Thank you much for that voicemail, Darren. And, well, how do I kind of foreshadow traps or something like that? Atmosphere. Atmosphere is the key right here. I mean, you should always have a good atmosphere for whatever you're doing, whether it's a marketplace or a dungeon. But dungeons are little special babies. Um, If you're using traps and you don't want them to slow to a crawl, what I would do is aside from putting a lot of you know a lot of empty rooms in there i would mix in some traps that have been already triggered usually near the front of the dungeon and traps that don't work but you have indications of things like oh maybe a skeleton of a previous adventurer lying next to it blood on the wall some viscera Oh, what else? Just things arrive. And you can tell the trap has been sprung. Or traps that are so old they don't work. Like, oh, he tripped the wire. You hear gears going, but nothing happens. And things like, I don't know, spears in the wall on the opposite side of them and all that kind of thing. That would give him a clue. And also, what I just mentioned, going up to the trap, you don't know. they don't know what happened, but that gives them clues on, ah, something is not right. Last night in the Monday game, we had an Indiana Jones-type trap with the tiles. And the way I would do it would be I would have some way to the outside, like, for light to shine in. And shine in on, say, the tiles that are okay to walk on. And maybe throw one in that isn't. And if they step on it, they fall through. They can't, you know, they make a deck save. That kind of thing. And that's the way I would give them a clue. Like, okay, this is a trap, but... In the trap, there's a solution on how to solve the trap. So if you're paying attention, you're not going to have much trouble. So thank you for that voicemail, Darren. I really appreciate it. I was talking last night to one of my players, one of the players, I should say. I'm not running the game, but he's going to be a player in my Astonishing Swordsman game. And he said something about a prejudice against sword and sorcery type role-playing, as opposed to... I guess, swords and wizardry type role-playing. I'm not trying to plug swords and wizardry, but, you know, there it is. The the standard D&D stuff versus the Conan type stuff, 
where the magic is kind of downplayed and maybe even a little dangerous, and the heroics and the daring do and the warriors are played up with some fantastic monsters. What I like about it is you can it's almost it's almost a post apocalypse. Not quite. It's but it's still got the fantasy. It's the fantasy trappings, but if you want to throw something like a robot in there from an ancient time or visitors from outer space, it's okay because they used to do that in pulp fantasy all the time. I don't understand what's the problem with pulp fantasy. I like pulp fantasy. I haven't read very much of it, but what I have read, I've enjoyed. And it's an odd mix. Okay, I keep thinking of Thundar, Thundar the Barbarian, because that was more of a Gamma Worldish game, but they mix sorcery and science. And you can do the same thing in a fantasy genre like a Conan type thing, because it just it works out. It just works out. I mean, one of the one of the main one of the beginning adventures for Astonishing Swordsman was a group of these aliens who were stuck on the world and they were underground and they were creating these things trying to then they had like portals to their world and all this other very Lovecraftian, Vancean, you know, that kind of thing. I'm thumbing through the book right now as I'm talking. And it's kind of a mixture of science, but it is very, very weird, weird science. You really don't quite understand how it works. So it's one of those things where it's so advanced, it's magic. That's To me, that's the kind of tack I should take for a science fantasy role-playing thing like either Mutant or Sonishing Swordsman. Because God knows Conan went up against some weird monsters from the stars before. And if you watch the second Conan movie, that last fight battle with the, the quote-unquote God or whatever it is, that's the thing out of Nightmares. In other words, they're not throwing the usual dragons and beholders and owlbears and all this other stuff at you. They're show, throwing something at you a little different, but beatable. And it's funny when they talk about Lovecraft in this genre. Lovecraft, his his mythos is the his used so much so differently than the normal like Call of Cthulhu Cthulhu mythos type thing, because they're there. But the sanity thing really doesn't come into play all that much. Yeah, you can play it, but it comes mostly comes across as fear for the regular people and the heroes. If they're playing a lot of barbarians and Conan type thing, I mean, they don't have to, but the whole point I'm saying is they're so used to weird stuff that it doesn't register to them. It's just a great big monster to kill. And I'm reminded of the fact that way back when in the pulps, they did a pulp thing on where they got together. I can't remember which magazine it was, but there's an inf- infamous story out there that was done in chapters and they took all their best writers and each one did a chapter of a story one guy started it and then the next guy would pick it up howard and lovecraft and this is back in the 30s and it was all about this guy who got turned into this he he was a i don't know i think it was a time travel in the first chapter the second traveler he got turned into some kind of uh lovecraftian bug type thing almost almost a uh you know, a metamorphosis type thing and how, and when Lovecraft got a hold of it, he was like, oh, the insanity, oh, these, you know, all, you know, trying to interact with people and they're driving crazy and all this other stuff. And then 
the next chapter they gave to Robert E. Howard. And he turned him basically into insect the barbarian. And it's like, I'm not going to live this way. I'm going to go to the stars. I'm going to go, find, you know, he finds a planet. And he starts being, he, you know, he becomes this champion of, of, of the, the tribes in space and such. And so it, it's, it's so much funny where he'll take that mind-crushingly, you know, insane stuff that Lovecraft did. And it's like, all right, let's, let's camp this up. Let's, let's just kick butt. You know, <laughs> it's funny. But that's the kind of thing you can do with a swords and and sorcery type thing as opposed to swords and wizardry. I don't know why they separate the two. To me, they kind of blend in. About, I mean, you got, you know, Expedition of the Barrier Peaks, which is almost pulp fantasy, the way they do it. They just they just lean more towards the D&D high fantasy type thing in that game. And so, and you spend a lot of time figuring out what things are. I mean, yeah, they figure out, they got artifacts in, in Astonishing Swordsman too, but it's more like, Hey, this is a lightning. This this throws this throws lightning bolts. It is a lightning rod. It's it's a it's a phaser or whatever it is. It's, oh, this thing throws throws balls of energy. It's an energy one. Boom. It's, who cares? It works the same way, and it's not like it's gonna throw the throw the balance. It's not gonna. What I'm saying is not a genre killer. It's not a genre killer. So that's got that going for it. So I don't understand why people have to get down. They also say they're it's anti-intellectual. Well, it depends on how you play it. I mean, I, I don't think I watched the Conan movies. I've read some of the Conan stuff, and Conan's kind of smart. He's he's more wise than smart. His is street smarts, but he is intelligent. He is he does have a brain, and there is because he's down on wizards. And source, they're down on magic and stuff. Well, yeah, same with Thundar. They're down on it because most of the people who use the magic are evil. There are good magicians out there, but they are very, very rare. It's it just that it, it, after a while, it's magic equals evil. And that's the way they think because of what they've been shown. You watch Thundar, and every episode, it's an evil wizard, whether he's using technology or magic, which at that point, it doesn't really matter what it is. But it's, you know, Lords of Light, we've got to stop him. Ookla, Ariel, come, you know, that kind of thing. So, anyway, there's nothing wrong with the genre. I kind of like it, and I don't understand the prejudice, but probably never will, so I'm not even going to try and figure it out. Anyway, i got to go start my day. So, I hope you all have a great day. And until I see you next time, keep the dice warm, and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Questions? Comments? Send them to oldmangrognard at gmail.com. We'll see you next time when Radio Grognard is on the air. Radio Grognard.